0: Welcome to the Great Little Zion Baptist Church. We celebrate your presence here today with us. Enjoy the worship service as you sit back and listen to the singing, as it gives inspiration to your soul, and then the preaching of the word of God as it gives instruction to your soul. Be blessed as God has a word for you today.
1: Go,
2: tell it on the mountain.
1: i
3: worship service today we hope that you have enjoyed it so far and had had an amazing Christmas be strong and of a good courage be not afraid neither be thou dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee we ask you to come and join us for our New Year's Eve worship service at 8 p.m. it will be live on Facebook and on YouTube let's bring in the new year together On Wednesday night, we'll be having prayer meeting at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. and also virtual Bible study at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday schools will be on Saturday for our youth and young adults at 10 a.m. and our adult Sunday school on Sundays at 8.30 a.m. We thank you so much for joining us this year at this uncertain time and our worship services turned into a virtual experience. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Again, we thank you, and we hope and pray that you have an amazing rest of your Sunday.
4: Jesus. Sweetest name I know. King of Kings. Always oh, Lord of Lords. Born in a manger. No room in the inn. Oh. my God gave to us. And Lord, I'm glad, Lord, I'm glad, mm-hmm. Lord, I'm glad you did it for Lord, me. Lord, I'm glad you did it for me. I'm so glad. Thing, y'all. They whipped him and they whipped him not one time. His blood for me And oh, I can't imagine Can't imagine All the pain he took for me And Lord, I'm glad Mm -hmm. Lord, I'm glad You did it for me you did Lord and I'm so glad
1: Lord
4: I'm yeah. glad you did it for me Lord you didn't have to do it but I'm so glad you did Lord I'm glad you did it for me I'm so so glad so glad did it for me. for me, for me, for me, for me, for me, you did it all for me, for me, two nails in your hands, two nails in your feet, you did it all for me, Lord, you did it all for me, so right now, I want to take some time, and I want to say thank you, Lord. For doing it for me Two nails in your hand Two nails in your feet for me. You did it for me. for me You did it all for me, for me. You got on that cross for You me. went in that grave And you got up for You me. got up for me For me For me, for me. For me. For me. It for me, for you me, did for it just me, for, me. for me. You didn't have to do for it, me, but I'm so glad you for did. Me, Thank you, Lord. For me for me, for me, for me, for me, for me, for me, you did it for me. For me.
0: Good morning, great little Zion. This is the day that God has granted us. I hope you've had a very wonderful, exciting, glorious Christmas as we are celebrating on this fourth Sunday post-Christmas how blessed it is to be alive and well once again. I want you to join me in Psalm 137. Psalm 137. We are continuing to work with that theme of our sermons that we have been working with living out loud with joy. And our scripture text today is Psalm 137, verses 1 through 6. Get your Bibles and turn with me there that we might share in the sermon title today, Don't Lose Your Song. Don't Lose Your Song. Psalm 137, here's what it says, beginning at verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon... There we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, upon the willows in the midst of it, we hung our harps. For there our captors demanded of us songs, and our tormentors, mirth, sang, Sing unto us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign or strange land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget her skill. May my tongue cleave to the root of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Don't lose your song. I want to say that there are many contributions to both the birth and sustainability of our joy. There is the contribution of prayer, how prayer can bring about such marvelous strength and endurance, and yet it can touch us to bring to the surface that joy that we have abiding in us. How hope can bring us joy as well. What may appear to be a hopeless situation can come to be recognized as one that is filled with complete hope. Joy, once again, arises to the occasion. Faith, faith births this incredible opportunity and almost mechanism, so to speak, that helps us, works us in pushing ahead without seeing in the flesh what the outcome will be. It enables our joy to march with us to the forefront even after witnessing little by little what happens when we permit faith and joy to tag team in this journey. Then of course, our song. That melody, that word of lyric of excitement that Reads in us joy. I'm thinking of the words by the Apostle Paul that says, I think it's Ephesians 5, let us make sure that we we sing songs and spiritual songs, that we sing psalms and hymns because a song can do something tremendously life-changing, transformative in your spirit. It, it can breathe life in an unbelievable fashion. And here we are in this historical text of Psalm 137. Some have suggested that it's perhaps maybe a post-exilic psalm. Others contend that it is a Hebrew who is writing about in the midst of the exile I don't know which one it is, but I can tell you this. It identifies the need for every believer not to lose their song. Israel's in a tough space. It's a space that they created for themselves. When you think about reading the history of Israel in the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah, even in Ezekiel, in those prophet, prophetic books in which the prophet warns, of a coming judgment and even how they could avoid it but yet they decided not to do so and even though they were going into exile yet God still had a word of comfort and enjoyment for them there was promise that he would certainly bring them out after 70 years I think it's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 11 where he tells them, I've got plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you. But in the meantime, you're going to have to make sure that where you are, you are still celebrating with joy. You are still holding up, as old folk would say, the bloodstained banner that you're still telling the story of the Savior. And right now in this text, we know that Israel has been blessed tremendously. God gave them a land, a land that they could call their own. God gave them the law, Exodus 20, that they could use as a framework to conduct themselves morally and to in, to exercise ethics in a very powerful way. God gave Israel a Lord. Yes, he did. He gave them a Lord. And the person later of Jesus Christ. And then God did something interesting. He gave them constant promises. Promises that they would be blessed, prospered, victorious if they did but one thing, just simply obey my word and serve no other God. But in return, Israel did several things. One, they defiled the land that God gave them. They corrupted it. They also defiled the law. They violated it. And they defiled the Lord. They, along with others, crucified Jesus. But even though this is Old Testament and we're talking about Israel in their exile, they they took the Lord that they had, the God of Israel, and disowned him. In the words of Jeremiah, I think it is, they prostituted themselves. And they went after, in the words of Hosea, whoring after some other god. And as a result, they ended up experiencing this 70-year exilic judgment. And this is a picture, in many ways, of a sadness. It's a sadness because when you look at this text, There are a number of things to sort of consider. First, I want you to consider the sad misery of a captured Christian. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 1. As by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept. The miserable person in the world is a Christian out of fellowship with God. Miserable in the sense that they know that they don't have that intimacy that they know they need to have. And here they are sitting by the river of Babylon knowing in their own consciousness that we're not right with God. They're miserable. The laughter and happiness that they know that they once had are no longer needed and so they don't have, I shouldn't say no longer, they no longer have it so they don't have joy And what I sense in this text is that when you start recognizing you're out of fellowship with God, run quickly back. A simple word, Lord, I'm sorry, I've gotten off track. Help me get back on track. And here comes the power and the aid of the Holy Spirit to put you back where you are. That joy will certainly come back to be with you. But here is something that the text tells us. God engineers... Our sorrow. I want you to listen to something in Jeremiah chapter 25 and listen to how he moves in the life of Israel to tell them that God will will work in the midst of your sorrow, even though you're sitting by the rivers of Babylon in great sorrow and you're weeping. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 25 and beginning in verse 8. Therefore, says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against the land and against the inhabitants and against all the nations round about them, and I will utterly destroy them and make them a desolation. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of joy and the voice of gladness. The bride, the sound of the millstones, and the light of the lamp and the whole land shall be desolate in terror and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Look what God's saying. I'm going to orchestrate. When you become disobedient, you decide that you're not going to follow. God says, I'll make you sit by the rivers of Babylon weeping. And that's what the text says. They are weeping because whenever you get out of the will of God, it's a sad misery when you've been captured by a sin. The text also tells us about the stinging memory of this captured Christian. Look, if you will, at verse one again. We remembered Zion. We remembered Zion. We remember the joy of going to church. We remember the joy of having our land. We remember the joy of being able to gather in community. There is something that's missing when you recognize you're now captured and the freedoms no longer exist. We remembered Zion. In this pandemic, we remember. Zion. We remember what it meant to be in the building. We remember what it meant to have fellowship with each other. We remember what it meant just to see each other, just to have the anticipation of going to church. Nothing we've done wrong, but it does prompt our memory, and it's a stinging memory, wondering, when will we ever return? It's not only a sad misery, and not only a stinging memory, But notice there is a sarcastic mockery of the captured Christian. If you would, look at verse 2. Because verse 2 and 3 says that those who captured them brought about a mockery because of their history of where they know they have been. Upon the willows in the midst of it we hung our hearts. That very well might be a metaphor we gave up. We hung our ability to sing, to make music, to bring joy to our life. We hung it on the willows. We gave up believing that our joy would ever come back again. And that's why I'm trying to tell you now, I know we're in a pandemic, but we will come back in God's time frame. We'll be back in this building celebrating, glorifying God. And maybe we've got enough stinging in our memory to appreciate what we have in this space. And they hung their willows, their harps on the willows. Stop giving God glory. And I hope in this virtual space, you continue to shout and praise God, even though we're not together, and even though we don't feel in the same way, the reverberation of the music and the excitement of the voice, you still got to give God praise. Don't lose your song. And listen to what they said. The Bible says that they hung their hearts <coughs> for their captors demanded of them songs. Sing us one of the songs of Zion, their tormentors. Sing us those songs that you sung. I wonder if they were asking, had that request because in their own hearts, it was already broken. They were already struggling themselves. Perhaps they were tired of being the tormentors that they were. And they decided that they needed to hear some of that relief that they had heard that Israel sings in their worship. Maybe that's what's happening to us now in a very sarcastic way, but yet it's true that something is mocking us. Sing us one of those songs of Zion. Because what can start out as a mockery can end up as a miracle. God can use what they intend to be evil, a mockery, and make a miracle out of it by revolutionizing and transforming their life through your song. Don't lose your song. But then there's a silent, listen to what it says, a silent melody of a captured Christian. This is all about us transitioning this text from Israel to being a Christian, to having something that, troubles and threatens our loss of the song in our heart and this psalm says there's a sad misery of a captured christian there's a stinging memory of a captured christian there's a sarcastic mockery of of a captured christian and then there's a silent melody of a captured christian What I think is happening in verse 4 comes upon these words. Listen to what they said. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Could it be possible that they were humming in their own heart whatever that song was? They were singing to themselves and their tormentors could see on their face a level of joy and satisfaction, a level of peace, a level of comprehension, a level of embracing, something that the tormentors were saying to themselves, I, I want that, sing that song. And they, they wondered, Israel, how can we sing out loud God's song in a strange land? In this Babylonian captive space, how do we sing out loud? I want you to know that every Christian has a song of deliverance. Every Christian's got a song of deliverance. Listen to what David says in Psalm 32 and verse 7. He says, thou art my hiding place. Thou doest preserve me from trouble. Thou doest surround me with songs of deliverance. Don't lose your song, because when you lose your song, you lose your joy. David also says that not only do you need that song of deliverance in you, but Moses reminds us in the Exodus writing, Moses in Exodus chapter 15, listen to the text. And in verse 1 through 19, read it for yourself, it's all about the song of Moses as they cross over the Red Sea. They are celebrating because every victory, every troubled water, every Red Sea you cross over, there ought to be a song in your voice. I want you to know that the Bible makes clear to us, Jesus says in Matthew 26 and in verse 30, he reminds these disciples, and I believe he wants to remind us today, that sorrow, misery, disappointment, and in the case of Israel in Babylon, a Babylonian context should not, can't steal your song unless you let it. Listen to what he says in Matthew 26 and verse 30. Now remember now, this is after they have broke bread together. He already knew what was ahead of them. He knew that he was going to the cross, but listen to this text, for we say it when we are done with communion. After singing a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives, knowing what's before him, yet he still sung a hymn because the song was in his heart. Are you still singing? Are you still permitting your joy to rise up because of the songs that God has given us? Not only suffering can't still, can't, Steal my song, or, or sorrow can't steal my song, but suffering can't steal my song. Acts 16.25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sung hymns unto God. Even in their suffering moment, even in your suffering moment, you can't allow it to steal your song. Don't lose your song. There's only one thing that can really take your song. Sin can steal your song. Listen to David in Psalm 50, 51 and verse 14. I I like this psalm. This is David's. Not only confession, but plea for repentance that God would forgive him. But listen to what he says. He says in verse 14, deliver me from my blood guiltiness, O God, that you're the God of my salvation. Then when you deliver me, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. David is really saying, I I can't afford to lose my song." I want it. And so I came to tell you four things and then I'm done. Don't lose your song, whatever it is, because it will be the impetus of your joy. It will contribute to your joy. It will help keep your joy alive. It will stir up your joy. It will cause you to be able to recognize how blessed you are And so, four things I want to say. Number one, save it. Save your song in your heart. Don't let anyone or anything, even sin, don't let it take it away. Save it. No matter what kind of captivity you find yourself in, save your song. You're going to need it in the midst of the captivity. As they sat by the rivers of Babylon, there they wept. They needed a song, and they were singing their songs, I believe. Even though they hung their willows, their harps upon the willows, I still believe they sung their song. How do you know that, Pastor? Look what the verse says, Psalm 137, verse 5. If I forget you, O Jerusalem. In other words, if I forget how I used to rejoice in church. If I forget how I gave you praise, God, even though I'm not in the building right now, but in my own privacy of my home, if I forget how I celebrated your goodness, look what he says. May my right hand forget her skill. That's really a metaphor of saying, Lord, may I lose mobility if I forget to give you the glory. And may my tongue cleave to the root of my mouth I shouldn't be able to speak if I won't give you the praise. If I do not remember you, if I do not exhort Jerusalem above my chief joy. Well, what's my chief joy? What am I really saying there? Lord, you, no matter what I have around here, it may be important, but it's never more important than you are. Save your song in you. But then, As the captives were asking, share it. Not only save it, but share it. Share your song. Look at what they said. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. It may be on your job where someone just needs to hear a melody to get a peace of mind, to get calm, calmness in their troubled song. Whisper one of the grandness of those old hymns. Sing a word to them. Whatever that song is, let them hear it. Save it. Share it. Sing it. Even if no one else wants to hear, sing it to yourself. Sing it out. Sing it to a point where as you sing to yourself, you you sing yourself happy. You sing yourself with that joy that you have in celebrating the God of your salvation. And then finally, shout it. Shout it because, as the psalmist says, if I don't give you the glory, may my tongue cleave to the root of my mouth. May I not be able to do what I once did because I failed to give you the glory. Don't lose your song but keep shouting it every single day in whatever circumstance. Let's go back to the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2. I have learned whatever situation I'm in to be content. Sing it, your song, in the mist, whatever that is, and watch it navigate you through the difficulties of that moment. Don't lose your song. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for life. Thank you for Psalm 137. And Lord, help us in those first six verses to continue to give you the glory, to thank you for all that you've done. May we digest the joy of each song in our hearts that we give you the praise. I pray someone today, God, who may be in a space of confusion or a place of disappointment, ignite that song in their spirit that they may rejoice again and that your joy would take priority. And Lord, I always pray that if someone who is without your son Jesus Christ as Lord, today would be the beginning of a new life for them. They would come to know you in a very personal, intimate way. I trust that through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is my prayer today that you're going to begin this day afresh anew and as you march forward from this day forward life will never be the same. May God continue to bless you and multiply you as you move forward in kingdom business. We're excited to say thank you for being so generous to us and continue to support the ministry and we solicit your continued support as well and we trust that this word will be a blessing to you. I pray that you've had a wonderful Christmas day, Christmas holiday, and as we continue to move toward the new year, we're looking forward to having a New Year's Eve service as we're going to share in the word of God and we're going to move into the new year as we share in that word on New Year's Eve. Be blessed. As we anticipate great things as we bring this year, 2022 to a close. What a mighty year it has been as we've seen a lot of things transpire. But we're going to trust that 2021 is going to be extremely exciting. Listen, God loves you and so do I. Have a blessed, wonderful day and week in the Lord.